Today's episode of Cinema Gush is brought to you by the Glove Slap Trope. Has somebody insulted your honor? Well, there's nothing you can do but resort to violence. Go slap them. Tell them what's what. The Glove Slap Trope. Defending honor since, you know, way back when we would kill each other for slights to it. And uh, right up until the 18th century where we made dueling illegal. But, but you know, we at Cinema Gush are promoting the Glove Slap Trope because we think it's coming back whether we like it or not. The Glove Slap Trope. Resorting to violence whenever you need it. that guys welcome to cinema gush are we using my uh, nose blow as our clap track that's not what it's Nick called is it's sick. called a slate Nick is sick and he's he's struggling sick and, and tired <laughs> and he's tired and he's here with us we haven't recorded one of these in like a month we've been going through a backlog so it's been a while yeah it's been an insane month before we get into the the movie how is your month been by the way crazy man crazy crazy lot good. of stuff that's good. Crazy good, crazy other, crazy... Yeah, we won't get into it. Well, it's, have you been... Consu- well, we'll talk about that at the end, about consuming some crazy good content. A lot of stuff, man. Yeah, I've consumed a lot of stuff here. that I want to talk about. That's... And I'll talk... You know, I guess I'll start with just this, the being sick that sick aspect is... Um, as you know, I've been working really hard on novel writing and stuff like that, and I haven't written anything in like an entire week, even though I have a short story due Friday, but... Um, this when is- you start vomiting... Oh, you have I permission know. to not work on things. I, I again, for folks who don't know, I got a, a, I captured, captured like in Pokemon Snap. I captured the stomach flu, uh, which makes a very terrible Pokemon sound. Why am I going this way? Um, we were driving, <laughs> we were driving back from Phoenix, and I had Vomichu. spicy nuggets and fries from Wendy's. And when I got home, I started walking Ooh. the dog, and then it just started. And for forty-eight hours. Straight, I didn't get good sleep. I had forty-eight he- hours. Yeah, headache on both That's sides. That's a long time. Terrible. I felt like um, like there's that medieval weapon, the mace that has the the sphere at the end with the spikes. I felt like I had that in my stomach. Like I couldn't move because it hurt so dang bad. Both ends. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like everything but the ears, I suppose. I guess the belly button. This is too specific. Um, was just everything was firing on all cylinders. I'll leave it at that. Suffice it to say, when I'm when you're that sick, you have no choice but to really just watch stuff. And and man, I finally got to like get around to an anime that I heard a ton about, which I'll talk about later. Uh, I saw a couple of movies I was really excited for. I binged an entire HBO series, which is uh, I guess only about a month old, but it was super good. So like. I consumed I some great content during this sickness. This I, I've been down with the sickness. I'm just gonna stop the disturbed lyrics right there and say, <laughs> "So we saw Coda, and holy, we saw God, Coda. See this as fast as you freaking can, and see it Seriously. with the people you and, love. And don't watch the trailer. Yeah, uh, it, no, and I'll explain why later. I'll explain why later. But but should we start? What with did you say, know about this movie? Well, yeah, let's start with that. The, the, I knew. It's always interesting to see what sells at Sundance. Let me start with that. And every year, it seems like the number goes up and up and up and up and up. And then uh, it kind of hits a number where you're like, well, that's kind of odd. Like, I know that, uh, I think it was 2007, 2006, the Duplass brothers sold uh, their $15,000 movie, The Puffy Chair. They sold it for 500000 bucks, And the that was chair? The Puffy Chair. Hmm. Yeah. Don't know this one. We should watch that one. I've heard good things about it. I mean, it also sold for half a million dollars and it launched, essentially launched their careers and they still have insanely good careers now. Um, but I heard that this movie sold 
back in Sundance for $25 million, which is absolutely unheard of. Um, yeah. Small little movie. Yeah. Tim Cook bought it. Um, I'm trying to remember if it won Sundance. Did it win Sundance? Hold please. Let's see. (laughs) This is why we always have IMDb up and available. And we, and the amount of, the amount of prep we don't do for this show. (laughs) Can't That's be stated clearly enough. And this is me As buying all time all at 30 of our subscribers would tell you. 30. Is it that high? You guys are great. Thank you for supporting us. Please like us on Facebook and follow my memes, which I haven't posted in a while That's because right. I've been sick. Right. It did win the Audience Award, the Directing Award, the Grand Jury Prize, the U.S. Dramatic Special Jury Award uh, at Sundance. So it won. It, I wouldn't say it's swept, but dang, that's pretty close. Um, that's pretty good. Yeah, it is pretty good. So it's so I, I, I knew back then it sold for a lot of money. Um, and I didn't know a lot about it. I think I read the the tagline. I was like, "Oh, okay, that that sounds like a Sundance movie." In fact, well, to start, did you know what the, the the acronym Coda Child of Deaf Adults? So I didn't know that that's what Coda meant because for those of you who are prone to under who who are prone to run to music theory first, uh, a coda in in your uh, sheet music it's a passage that brings a piece or an entire movement to an end. So that's what it's for mm. is like, usually they'll say you, you might go back and repeat some part of the music. And then there's something that's like DSL coda. Then you jump to this other part and that's the end of the song. So I thought it Interestingly was. Interestingly enough, yeah. I should point out there's a 2020 film starring Patrick Stewart called Coda. That's also musically based. And now I understand why. And I think it's got a five out of 10 or a 4.3 or something. Yes, not well reviewed from what I could see. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like Google is like, did you mean the good coda? And you're like, I guess I didn't mean the good coda now that you brought it up. So I had heard about it back then, and I knew it was about um, this deaf girl and a family of fisher, fisher peep, fishermen, fisher people. <laughs> I guess the mom doesn't really fish in the movie, so I'll say fishermen, um, and that she's the only one who can hear in a family of deaf folks. So I did not know that that, st- uh, that CODA stood for uh, Children of Deaf Adults. Um, so but that's, where that's I literally the only thing I knew. Oh, okay. I knew that acronym. And I knew precisely nothing else other than what the poster looked like. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you this: I didn't know until after the movie that it was based off of a 2014 French film called yes, La Familia Bilio. Looked I that up myself. I was surprised. Yeah. Well, then during the Oscars, when uh, the um, they won Best Picture, you could hear the producers talking the old Valley French. And so I was like, okay, that's it's adapted screenplay too. Yeah, mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, which was cool to see. Um, what's her name? I see it. Uh, I can't pronounce it. Victoria, is that right? No. Who's the lady Who? that won? Who are we talking about? The gal, oh, uh, Sian Hedder, the writer Sean? director. Thank Sean. you, Sean. Okay. Now, I, I do know it's Sean. Now, this is the reason I know it's Sean, okay. because me and the wife spent 20 minutes trying to find a pronunciation converter from the phonetic off of her Wikipedia page. It wow. Is Sean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, but yeah, she did like a comedy drama called Talusia, but I didn't see that one either. But past that, I didn't know anything about her, so it was cool to see her win an Oscar for that award. I always get pumped for the screenplay stuff, of course. Um, Absolutely. But that's about as much as I knew, and then I saw a review in August that I was like, okay, I definitely will see this when I get the chance. And then I saw it just a couple of days ago, and uh, that's how I got to where I am. What about you? You just knew the... like you So said, I knew the acronym, and so I listened to a podcast with a... Uh, a- critic from new york and he was a guest on another podcast i can't i couldn't tell you his name and he basically said that the night before the academy awards the only movie he hadn't seen those nominated for best picture was coda and he had seen the trailer and he thought it looked like that feel-good trash that trash 
<laughs> I mean, you know, there's a million feel-good movies, inspiring movies, an inspiring story about a young woman struggling with X and Y. And and will she get Z? <laughs> and will she get Z? And how will... The, so, it, and, and the trailer, frankly, looks like that. And he said, he so he watched it, and and he had no expectation of enjoyment, and by the end is he is softly weeping to himself, thinking this is the best movie he's seen all year by a long shot, and how moved and overwhelmed he was, I thought to myself, yes, I need to watch this movie. So, that, that's all I knew. I knew that one critic thought exactly what I usually think about movies like this, and was very much not that kind of movie. Well, it is kind of that movie, but it's also that kind of movie if that movie's done really damn well. Yeah, and that's where we get to really just the crux. Like, like again, fully, full recommendation. It's one of the best dramas I've seen in quite a long time. Uh, my review, if anybody just wants to skip to the end here, uh, it's the same as Dune. We don't deserve Coda. It was an incredibly good yeah, film. Um, it really... It's like, I, I look at my favorite movies of the year. I had Green Knight. I had Dune. Coda is right there. Absolutely. With yeah. Could, I couldn't agree more. And, and I think somebody, uh, I think this is a Reddit post in the official movie discussion where someone's like, you know what? I really expected like a Hallmark level of crap here. Yeah. Um, but instead, and this is always the most basic of things. It was uh, a story well told, a simple story well told. In a compelling way. Yes. Written well. Well like, acted. Yeah. Oh my gosh, well, the acting. So so this is the thing that, that I thought while watching it, right? So this is story-wise very easy to make it schmaltzy and kind of overly sweet and unappetizing if you go the classic Hollywood route. Yeah. But it doesn't do that. On the other hand, you've got art films, indie films, that have really great acting and really good storytelling and all of that, but they can be kind of hard to watch. Hmm. They can be kind of boring and difficult, and there's some really good challenging stuff in them, but they're not... Not always, but I find a lot of, of indie films of this genre to be kind of hard to watch. This movie has all the depth, nuance, and 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 emotion of those independent films while being as watchable as any Hollywood movie out there. It is so fun and pleasant and easy to watch while also being really, really good. Yeah, and that's what, you know, what you just mentioned with the easiness aspect of it. If you if you really try to watch this from a technical perspective, you're not going to be super stoked. Like, there's a ton of tripod shots. There's not a lot of handheld here. The camera is locked down and it's looking at what you're looking at, which is, which is basic Wes Anderson, basic, you know, mm -hmm. basic indie. Basic mumblecore, basic, what you would expect is like, you don't want to pan the camera too much. You don't want to go shaky. You don't want to run with it. Like you, it's, it, the camera's it's, very locked down. It's just there to be it's there. It's meat and potatoes filmmaking, but, but it's well-made meat and potatoes. Right. Oh gosh. Yes. And it, and it starts with this excellent script. You have this dramatic irony of a family of deaf folks, but the daughter is the one who can hear. And so you have this deaf family that leans insanely heavy on this girl who I believe is 17 at the start of the film. And, Senior in high school, yeah. But man, like, ugh, that age doesn't seem right because the crap that she has to deal with is something that, like, somebody, like, in their 50s, like, she's, like, almost like a 50-year-old woman with, like, the level of junk she's had to Forced deal to with in her adult. life. You know, as an example, like, having to translate to her parents when the doctor is telling them that they can't have sex for two weeks. 
You know, <laughs> right. like things like that, things that no teenage girl should have to do. Like even as a teenager, even as an adult, like the thought of your parents having sex is cringeworthy as a teenager, having to tell them, be the one to break the news of like, well, you guys can't have sex. And then, oh my gosh. <laughs> and then having to police them on it. Not only that, but the dad character who is so insanely good, played by uh, Troy Katsur, woohoo, Arizona boy, super won, stoked. Won the Academy Award and deserved it with oh, every ounce of his performance. Speech was so good, too. And I had no idea it was from Mesa, so I was just like, I gotta look him up. That's so awesome. Um, like, Every, I just, okay, I got to gush about him for a little bit. Everything that dad does in this Please. movie is amazing. Holy crap. He had me like laughing. The part about like putting a helmet on the soldier. Um, <laughs> it's just so many great <laughs> moments. This dad like stole almost every scene that he was in. Um, you know, just, hysterical when he needed to be deeply yep. moving when he needed to be. Yeah. Oh, I can't even begin to talk about the scene on the back of the truck. Um, and I, well, how do we feel about spoilers for this particular episode? So why don't we talk for like five more minutes, spoiler free? Yeah. Well, let's, and then we'll get into it. Well, then let's focus on this. Uh, you know, we got our gal on the boat. Uh, her name is well, the actress's name is Amelia, but Ruby is her name, and she's the only hearing member of her family. Uh, and they work on this fishing boat. That's how they make their bread and butter. Mm-hmm. And uh, she she's likes their to interpreter. Sing. Yeah. And she likes to sing. And that's kind of where the movie begins. And uh, on a whim, because I think she's following, uh, she, there's this kind of cute boy at school, and he, she hears him sign up for choir as his elective for the last uh, semester of senior year. Or maybe it's fall. No, it is senior year. It is spring. It is senior year, but it's fall. Yeah, so uh, she hears him sign up for choir, so she signs up for choir, despite the fact that she has not sung in front of anybody. And really just sings on mm-hmm. the boat where her family wouldn't hear her anyway. So she has this life of literally no feedback because mm-hmm. nobody has yep. ever really heard her before. She doesn't know if she's good. Yeah, and she's and... quiet and contained. And you meet Bernardo, Mr. V, who is just this awesome character uh, who's the choir teacher. And he's the first kind of person to be like, wow, like you have a very beautiful singing voice. And that's when, so, yeah. It, it, but I before... So that character is the point where I realized that in lesser hands, this is a mediocre feel good every move. Yes. Trash. Cause it is, it's the teacher that sees something in you and inspires that out of you. And this story has been told a hundred times. <laughs> How do I reach these kids? But man, I don't, I don't know the last time it's been told this well. That, and that's again, and I'm going to keep coming back to this all episode, a simple story. Well told. I think, Mm-hmm. For those of for those of us who are writers out there, we write these huge complex things, and they don't go anywhere. And the notes are always like, "You could simplify this and make this easier." The things in this movie are simple. It's very structured. You have how do I put this? You have seen this movie before. You have. You've seen it. You you may have even seen like the girl in choir who didn't know she had a good voice thing before. You in fact, you probably have seen it before. So. I have no doubts that anyone who's older than, I don't know, 25, like you have seen this movie before, but you just haven't seen it done this way. And that's you what's haven't seen awesome. It done this way, done this well. Yeah. That's exactly it. Like, if you listen to what we're saying about the plot, there is nothing revolutionary here. But it's so refreshing and nice to watch somebody take what's not revolutionary and pour love into it. And get something this beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, I think the thing with, if you want to look at, the, I suppose the freshest possible angle is uh, the deaf actors 
playing, you know, the Death True. Family members. Um, True. But I remember seeing Jericho in 2005, uh, a, a, a one-season show that got a, a crappy seven uh, episodes for second season, but a really solid first-season CBS show. And one of the main gals was deaf, and it was sure. a lot of sign language and um, every like, she, and she stole just about every scene that she was in too. Well, if I'm remembering right, but that was what. Well, that's what I think. What people really drew themselves to was this shining this light on that aspect of the story, and 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 that's worth mentioning because again, in lesser hands, the focus on the deaf actors could have been viewed as exploitative yes i've seen plenty of movies where there it's pity porn right this person doesn't have the abilities that you do or they're sick in this way or but that's not what this is these are beautifully fleshed out characters who are deaf and the movie doesn't spend any time dwelling unnecessarily in the fact that they're deaf they're simply presented as fully fleshed out, well-acted, well-articulated oh characters. Oh my gosh, fully fleshed out. Yeah, because she can't listen to music at the dinner table, but they can all watch the brother do Tinder, because that's something they, they can do together as a family. Right. Is swiping left and right together. <laughs> oh. It's a funny moment, yeah. That is a great it's, moment. It's a, it's, a, it's a visual thing they can do together, whereas if she's listening to music, they can't share that. Yeah. Uh, so as the story kind of progresses, you know, you have Mr. V. Should we, says, well, hold on. Do you want, do you want to just do spoilers now? I, I suppose, really... I suppose so. I think I mean, I'm really easing into them anyway, but yeah, we could, let's give the spoiler. I think we sold here. the movie. Yeah. You should go see the movie. Go see it, it is truly wonderful. Yep. Top three easily of last year. Um, and actually, if you look at the pick of the letter for what was nominated for best picture that year, I, I think the only other thing, let's see, Belfast was talked about a ton, but I don't know if I got anything. Uh, Dune. I, know. I, I know people I think loved we, it. We would have liked Dune. I don't, I don't know. Dune would have been good too. But I think Dune Part Two will get it, like Return of the King, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Don't look up. Sure. I don't even start. King Richard. Uh, that got slapped away. Let's see. Nightmare Alley. You just saw. <laughs> and that's all we'll say about that. Yeah. Um. What do you think of Nightmare Alley? Like, where'd that rank for you? I enjoyed it. Enjoyable, fun. Guillermo del Toro. Not life changing. Okay. It's, I mean, it's a fun way to spend an evening. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see Licorice Pizza because the stuff that I was hearing about it really had me nervous, so I didn't see it. Um, Still really want to see it. People who I was nervous about similar stuff, but people who have my same sensibilities also really loved it. Gotcha. Uh, and that, I love, I mean, you guys heard my Magnolia gush. I love Paul Thomas Anderson, so I would definitely see mm-hmm. it. Um West Side Story was the <laughs> West Side Story will go down in my personal history as the first <laughs> movie I've ever fallen asleep in the movie theater watching, and uh, <laughs> the only movie I've ever fallen asleep to in the movie theater was the Captain America: First Avenger. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Mitigating circumstances, though, too. I get it. Um, and then the last one was Drive My Car, which I actually really do want to see, and I'm saving for I would a like to long see rainy day. So there's a handful of those movies I still really want to see. I, I will say this. Top three of the year, but I feel like that undersells it to a certain degree because this is the my favorite movie of this feel-good family drama genre that I have seen in many, many years. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's the thing is I, I have already recommended this movie and specifically to the guys I talked to, I'm like, and go see it with your girlfriend and go see it with your wife and watch mm-hmm. it with your family. Like, there's like very little... There's some sexual content. There's some sexual content, yeah. So kids may not 
Nine little kids. I won't show it to my kids because of one scene, but I might fast forward to that scene and show them the rest of the movie because it's lovely. Well, that's the handy thing with the whole skip 15 second ahead thing is you can just knock that out pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you're not convinced at this point, just, just go see the dang movie. Uh, it's uh, If you go, if you have Xfinity, uh, hit your voice for, uh, button and, and say, uh, where is it? I actually wrote this down for the show because it's a work thing. Uh, hold your Xfinity remote, push the microphone button, and say, uh, try Apple Plus, and you'll get a seven-day trial, and you can watch it in that time. Yep. And it's the only place you can watch it is Apple Plus. I've looked. You can't rent it anywhere else that I could find. Yeah. But it's worth a seven-day trial to watch this movie. And honestly, like this will be a physical purchase for me at some point. It really will. I think so, too. So I think so, too. All right, cool. So Spoil. <laughs> moving on. At that point, uh, Mr. V then tells... Her that, uh, you know, like you actually have a shot to go to Berkeley. She's like, well, we don't have the money for that, which you learn like the, the fishermen are actually getting ripped off by all these guys at the, the yard who just they're not paying fair prices for their fish. Um, and so she doesn't she don't she doesn't come from much means. In fact, her record player is like one of those crappy Fisher Price ones that she got. For yeah, two yeah bucks, little plastic arms. Cracked and... me up because I had a cousin that had that one growing up. Um, and uh, but he says they have scholarships. And so she actually has potential and he's going to give her some of his time in order to help her get better at singing. Cause she's pretty shy. I mean, even the first time she sings in front of everybody, she run, was before she even sings, she runs the hell away. We have a runner, mm-hmm. you know, you always get one. Um, and it might've been me if I was in her shoes. Yeah. I would never have signed up. <laughs> I'm going to butcher his name, but the actor Eugenio Derbez, Mr. V's performance is so damn delightful. Yes, it is. Oh, it's so good. It's not the stereotypical teacher needs to inspire student performance. It's got texture to it. it and I it, really enjoyed every minute he was on screen. It rings slightly of the South Park episode when Carmen is going, how do I reach these kids? Like a little bit of that. But more importantly, <laughs> for those of us who love 24, uh, you later learn his wife is Nina from from 24. Oh. And I didn't put that together. Every time I see that actress, I just go, Nina. Like, I just can't help it. Like, she's the mom in Twilight, and every time she pops up on screen, I just shake my head. I'm like, you killed Terry Bauer, you bitch. Like, I just can't help it. I can't yeah. help it. Um, how dare she? How dare she? <laughs> how dare she be in anything else? Um, huh. But yeah, so as time goes on, you know, the family decides, you know what, we're going to step up, and we're going to start letting, we're going to start buying fish from people and selling them, and we're going to start paying the fishermen a fair share. Uh, and they do, but of course they have to rely heavily on Ruby because she's the one who has to translate for the mom, the brother, and the dad. Um, and so this is really when we get that first initial pull of like, okay, we got some choices coming up here. Because you always kind of knew from the start, this girl can't go anywhere. Not that she won't go anywhere, but she can't go anywhere because she... Yes. yes. And, and that's one of the things I love about this movie is usually in this story, the tension between what she wants and what she feels like she has to do is so artificial. Yeah. This really exists. This tension, my family needs me, mm-hmm. but I want to go. Yeah. And so see, we see it. We, we've seen this before. I know that you all have seen this before. Right. You know, but you haven't seen it done this well. Yes. And so simply and so well told. Ah, and that's just really where the crux of the film comes in is, you know, you get this like side relationship with her and the guy that she has to do a duet with. And, and that's kind of a nice little storyline. And she starts to come more out of her hurts shell. her feelings. Yeah. Yep. And, oh, he does hurt her feelings in, in quite a, you know, 
Because he was there when he was there. Who's they were thoughtless. practicing for the duet, and they heard the parents having sex in the other room because Ruby wasn't policing them well enough. And he told one person, who of course in high school they tell everybody. And then she yeah. gets, you know, she gets made fun of all the time for having deaf parents, and he doesn't know what that's like. And um, so there's like that tension there. But again, this as the business grows and gets more successful, it takes more of her time away, which takes away time for where she can practice. And so the question of the movie will be, what is going to happen with Ruby? And you just can't look away, like. Uh, I think we've talked about this a bit and I, I think we should do a full episode of this at some point about what it really takes to give yourself over to a movie because you can't, I think we have talked about this. Holy crap. Do we do an episode on this where you, you can't be on your phone during this movie. Like you you kind yeah. of have to, you have to give something over to it when you're promising this entertainment in return and, and this dopamine rush and all those different things. You have to give yourself over to this film to really experience what it's trying to tell you. And this movie uh, if you do that, the movie will take you on this amazing ride. And you're on that ride of, it, it's like these polaring points, right? Because the road splits, and when the, like, the one way is going to Berkeley and practicing, the other way is going to the family business and helping things out. And man, when the road continues to split and split and split, it just gets so much farther apart. Right. It's like you literally, and there was never any doubt that she could have both somehow magically. Like, oh, now you can go to school online because of COVID and crap, right? No, like, you absolutely have to pick one. And that's yeah. Oh, and that's just where the and crux. and the the drama. Amelia Jones's performance, yeah, is stellar because you can see her desire to help her family, who in a lot of ways truly does need her. I mean, they're when they have their fishing license revoked because there's nobody who can hear the Coast Guard, and like you, it's. The drama, the the conflict within her is very palpable. The actress does a really great job of showing that without overdoing it. At the same time, like I, I, I don't know. It's it's a subtle, beautiful performance, and you. I, one of the things I, I I I thought, and I just want to point out how great she does, because her performance shifts when she's talking to her classmates and her teacher. And when talking to her family, mm-hmm. she gets more emotive with her body when she's signing to her family. Yeah. And she does that less when she's talking to other people. And the the actor does such a good job flowing in and out of that in a way that seems so utterly believable. It's it it seems like this actress has been raised by deaf parents. Yeah. And it's it's wonderful. Yeah. It's wonderful. And that's the thing is I you know. I don't know if uh, is this a gripe. This, okay, this if I could have one, one kind of gripe with the movie was when she has the big concert and her family comes to support her, and it's this really beautiful the moment, duet, the duet, right? And well, okay. it's, it's the entire choir concert, but yeah, during yeah, the but duet that, that's sequence, the concert, yeah, yeah, when you know we're hearing the song that they've been practicing, and then we go into the dad's POV, and everything fades out, and it's just dead silence, and he's he's looking around trying to see how people are reacting and see somebody crying and then uh, somebody's like really happy and you know, people are, you know, he sees these things, but he's not hearing yes. these things. And you finally get to live into that, live in that world for a little bit. It's so crushing. I remember thinking, why doesn't she just sign the damn song? Like, it's not that hard. Like just, you know, and everybody will be, everybody knows that you're the, the daughter of the deaf parents. Like, why can't you just sign the song? Your parent, your parents only know like the gangster rap bass, right? So like, just sign the dang song. That'd be my one complaint. But then when they pay it off and the end, and she I starts, guess I was going to say, yeah. I get where you're coming from, 
But the movie pays that off. It's like the, it didn't occur to her in that moment, but it occurs to her in the critical moment. Well, and I think reflecting on that moment more, because again, that is that is genuinely the only gripe I had in this movie was that. Um, but I, I, I don't. I think that's on purpose. I think she starts to think that. Realize when he holds his hand to her throat, she sings to him like she. I feel like that's the impetus of that payoff. Right. And I think too, you know, there's a, there's a number of factors. One, she's never sang for her family before. So she never probably, she might not have ever thought to sign the right. song. And that I, I can totally go with that anyway. But I also can go the more thematic, symbolic route. Of sure. That's, she's already in that direction kind of a thing, even though she said that she'd stay at that point. But she really is still more towards music. Mm-hmm. So I can go with any number of reasons why, but when I first saw the movie, I'm just like, just sign the damn duet. Like, let the parents <laughs> know what the song is, for goodness sake. They only really know, that. like, heavy bass, for goodness sake. That didn't occur to me, but it should have. I get it. I get it. But that, but like you said, the payoff was so glorious, uh, that would be time number four that I cried in the movie, was when she starts doing that. That was tears running down oh my, my gosh. face, yes. Yeah, yeah, folks, watch this with a box of Kleenex, for the love of God. I don't know if it was just because I was sick, but I, I, I was a sobbing mess, this whole it, freaking movie. No, it <laughs> earns it. The movie <laughs> earns it. It really does. Excuse me. It really does earn it, time and time again. Uh, even now, like, I, I, I think the only one who really knows Joni Mitchell's library well enough as Murph. And I could probably ask him if he knew that song, both sides now. And like what that, what his, what I'll find out from him if he knows that song yeah. at all. But, um, man, it's even in the same key that she performs it in. Uh, and I've listened to that song like 10 times now. Cause lyrically it's so dang good. Like, Oh, I miss like songwriting when it's that deep and awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, in a very, um, what's a good example of this? Like a Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, uh, like uh, like any other modern day mu- musical that uses modern pop music, the music is picked in such a way that it means more. You know, like the duet sure. is kind of them falling in love, which of course any duet is a love song, I suppose. But then like both sides now, seeing both sides now of, you know, life with her parents versus what life without would be. Uh, like old cloud illusions, love illusions, all those different things kind of fitting together. I was like, like that song was so perfectly chosen for the flick and especially for that moment that it's like, I don't know. I just, I love it when that much thought, okay. I love it when that much thought goes into a detail like that. And yes, that gets missed all the damn time. Cause I just saw Morbius and Holy hell, that movie misses every mark imaginable, every mark imaginable. (laughs) Like, and I, I, did I bitch about that on this podcast yet? No, that was just a you, wasn't it? Let's not talk about Morbius. We'll say that for another day. (laughs) Cause you see, I saw Morbius and then I saw Coda and I was like, holy hell. Like a simple story. They're pretty much the same movie. If you think about it, um, (laughs) tease this out, tease on this thread, pull on this thread. All right. So let's see. We got a guy who's got a disability (laughs) and he uses vampire bat blood to, um, become just like in Coda, just like in Coda. Um, Yeah. Damn it. I can't even fake doing this. That's tough. But I guess it's kind of the hero's journey both times because he has a choice to like kill his friend and not. Have you seen it? I read the synopsis. I'm okay. Yeah, I'm okay too. Um, We're not even like, I don't even want to. I'm happy to, to lose dignify <laughs> Morbius with a spoiler warning for the audience. I laughed so, so hard in that movie like 10 times. Oh my gosh. At appropriate times? No. 
No, the most inappropriate times, the times when it didn't make sense to laugh, like mm-hmm. I was bursting out. Because, uh, folks, Got I'm going to side tangent real quick here. I, I, Michael Morbius is like a character that I really liked in the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. Uh, his and Felicia Hardy's whole side story about love triumphing over over a really terrible evil that takes place. And there's a lot of goodness there. Uh, and Black Cat's like a great feminine uh, superhero that they haven't touched they haven't touched her naked butt at all. Um, and so that's a callback for the record. That that's a callback call to us like four episodes ago. To the Spider-Man, Spider-Man one breakdown. Yeah. Naked butt. That's for you, Joe. Um, so, still disappointing. Uh, yeah. Disappointing really that that was written. Not that it wasn't. I'm going to never. Mind. The, the point, the point is, is like, I have a way better, like Morbius movie in mind. And I just, I can't believe those guys keep getting work. The writers, because the actors in that movie are great actors. You can feel however you want to about Jared Leto. I like 30 seconds to Mars a lot, but that's not the point. He did insanely good in Dallas buyers club. And this new movie that he's in about the, we work stuff that happened is supposed to be like his best performance ever. So he can act. And Matt Smith is freaking Prince Charles in the dang crown. And he was also Dr. Who, which I suppose is really campy, but the guy acts really well. And um, their adopted father was also a really fantastic actor whose name I can't think of right now. But there are some really fine actors in that movie. And that was 100,000% on the writers who screwed up. And it wasn't even the writers who screwed up that movie. It was the editor. The editor messed that movie up wicked bad. Because that movie cuts into scenes so randomly with like with like payoffs that never even had setups. It was this glorious laughter filled mess. And I would recommend watching the riff tracks version if they ever make one of it. Cause Holy crap. That's the worst thing I've seen in a long time. Oh man. <laughs> you didn't breathe for the last minute and a half. And that was wonderful. It's part of the sickness, which I'm done with. Um, but mm. getting back to Coda, when you think about the father on the back of the truck, looking at the stars and having the daughter sing for her and putting his hands around her neck, I, do you think that he felt the song in that moment? Do you think he felt the vibrations or do you think it was yeah, just like a nice idea? Point. No, I know. I know. But I think his reaction, oh, his reaction was so subtle that I almost couldn't tell, but that's also because this dude is a damn good actor and he played it all so internally and then like released it towards the end of that sequence. I, I really hope I see him in a lot more stuff. Uh, you know, and he mentioned in his speech that I hope this movie is a bridge to, to more uh, uh, movies featuring deaf folks. And I really hope it is too. Um, yeah. You know, I, I worked with, um, not to make this about me, but for Long Walks at the Beach, like that was a big part of the fifth episode was having my actors learn sign language uh, from two different interpreters and because I couldn't find a deaf actor to be in the movie mm-hmm. or to be in the web series. Um, and so I know how tough that can be to even practice that and to rehearse those scenes and then to shoot those scenes and then to try to remember all of that stuff in a row and uh, to play emotionally into a sequence while also acting uh, or while also interpreting the sign language. Like I know that that's tough. So uh, this movie was enlightening to me in so many different ways. And I hope that again, the, the mother, the son, the dad, I hope we see them in more stuff. I just wanted to say that. Like, I golly. 100% agree. Oh my gosh. Okay. The son, the son, when the, when the this, son is at yes, the beach, please. oh my gosh. And he, is like telling his sister, we were, we were fine before you ever showed up. And it's like, he's playing this really deep hurt that he has about being like a deaf older brother. But yet his sister is like the older sibling because she's the one who talks, right? That whole thing. Like, Oh, played that. So everybody had every single member of that family had an incredibly good arc. Yeah. The, the father, 
uh, learning where her da his daughter was coming from, the mom kind of letting her go, the son stepping up and being the big the big brother. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm quite smitten with this film. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Um, I don't even know where to go next. Cause I just, I was like, I was so flabbergasted by the sequences with the mom and Ruby. Um, and this goes back to that requiring attention thing that I was talking about is like there, they shoot Ruby doesn't 95% of the time when she is talking to her parents, she doesn't speak back to them. Right. She does a couple of times and there are key times when she does do it, but for pretty much every one-on-one -on -one sequence, she doesn't say a word. And because her, uh, her family figure is also deaf, they wouldn't say a word. And so what you get is this dead silent scene with room tone and a couple of finger movements. If the hands are slapping for the, the key part of the word or the phrase that they're trying to say, and that's and it. subtitles. Yeah. And subtitles and some, you might get a soundtrack moment, but I don't think there really was any, I think Not they really much. wanted, they leaned heavily into silence for and those it's sequences. so effective. It really is. Um, <laughs> which makes me think seeing this in a theater with a 21st century audience would be a fucking nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> well, we'll get to that. Cause there's a movie I saw that, yeah, it has actually a tie that I want to bring up, but from the part of the signing, like the acting that occurred through the signing, especially, especially her dad who won the Academy Award for a reason, the way he could land a joke every time he signed asshole. Yeah. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the emotive energy he brought to his performance. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little lost for words on this one. I, I, yeah, this is, this is up there with one of my probably favorite movies of the last decade. We'll see how it holds up long term. Yeah, I think I think for me it'll probably I haven't never I've never done a top fifty, but it, if I did do a top fifty, I'm, I'm positive it would be in there. Um, mm -hmm. There's just there is so dang much to like about this movie, and especially that it's, final sequence where she auditions and does the signing, mm -hmm. and like oh, I just complete mess. And then like the the fact that she gets into this school, and then you're like. Oh! Like it just gets worse because you're like it's, already it does, crying, it and then you start crying even harder because the good thing happens. Um, Academy, I, like you, like you said, you've seen this movie before. It's the exact kind of movie I avoid because they're never <laughs> done well. It's so Academy, you crack your teeth, but it's not. That's but it is. But well, that's I'm saying that's why it. that's why you would avoid it is because of that. That's reason. why I would yeah. avoid it, right? Because it's 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 sugar, it's schmaltz, not this, but. It should be, right? Anyways, right. you're going to say something to the Academy. Yeah, so Academy trailers. So when you get to award season, so probably like no, your November, December kind of time where there's this big push for movies like this. And then January, like every 15 to 30 second trailer, they'll they'll recut it with like, you know, Academy Award nominated 14 different categories, including blank. But they all like the ones that they really shoot for for best picture. They always use one word. This is my clickbait of the day every good Oscar movie uses this one word in their poster. And that word is triumph. This movie was a mm. triumph. It was a triumph. Like, and you've seen that everything from Titanic to crash to God shape of water. 
Like you hear it's a triumph. And this is the first time that in about six years for me. <laughs> Wait, was that Shape of Water six years ago? <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm spit. That was a spitball number. I, yeah. I don't think, no, Shape of Water was more recently. Maybe not. But it's, it's been it's been years since I've genuinely cared about the Academy Awards, and it was for okay. We got to go on the record here. Me and you had Academy Award parties every year in college. Every year in college, and they were it was a big a deal. Blast. Yeah. We made it, it was our Super Bowl, right? Yeah. I mean, with snacks and food, we bet on it. We had it was a big deal. It was a lot of and General Tso's chicken. I've got. I, I I'm sure you've seen this in your place. The people in my life who are most committed and in, in love with the artistry of film mm-hmm. care less about the Academy Awards than the people who don't care about movies. Like the Academy <laughs> Awards have just so become so. Such a non-event, such a pandering. It's not fun. It's it's it, there's. Well, I know what you mean. Like like it, yeah, you know, uh, we were driving to. Um, it doesn't matter where we were driving because I don't remember. But we were driving somewhere yesterday, and Trisha Yearwood's. Um, uh, How do I live without you? I want to know from Con Air came on the radio. I remember seeing her performing that at the Oscars as a kid. And I still haven't forgotten that moment. Well, like, I remember that's the thing. You can celebrate the art films and also make it fun and celebrate the pop culture films. And because and, pop culture, the art, the, the Academy seems to have an active disdain for pop culture at this point. Yeah. It seems like they, if you enjoy pop culture, Look, even if you agree with all of the social messaging the Academy Awards yeah. has become known for, you're still tired of all the pandering because you're supposed to be celebrating film and they don't celebrate film anymore. And especially not this year because half of the categories didn't get televised. And that's right. crap, man. Garbage. Well, all of this is a long way to say that as much drama in bs that went into this academy award i think they picked the right movie yeah i think so too i i want to see belt fast because i i love kenneth brown i need to see it uh in fact thor went up another notch in my <laughs> my number account for mcu because i was th- i was this is so stupid i was and, and we're so off track but i was meditating about thor in the tub the other night and i was like well he couldn't pick up the hammer because hashtag some, brand new be, sin because sometimes in life you know, you have the opportunity, but if you weren't ready for the opportunity, you fail. So it makes sense. And so I moved Thor up another number in my MCU ranking because I was like, damn, that's a good theme. I really like that. Um, but I love Kenneth Branagh, so I, I will see that eventually at some point. And like I said, um, the Drive My Car, like I love Asian uh, films specifically. Like I even, there was that mm. Korean one we talked about called Burning. I actually got another really strong recommendation for that film, so I definitely have to see that one now. Um, so... So I guess back to my my main point was just like this is probably the first film that I could think was advertised as a triumph since Forrest Gump that I would say is in fact a triumph, and I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. Ten out of ten. Table flip. Ten out of yeah, ten. I agree. Son of a bitch. Golly. I agree. We're lucky. I mean, and the thing is too, uh, and this drives me nuts. Cause I'm gonna go down a different pathway now because much Please. like Ruby had two pathways. Um, 
I really hate living in a time where everybody's like, oh, things were so much better when I was a kid. And like, you killed my childhood. And, and uh, there has been a good movie that forever. And then, you killed my childhood is just such an internet whining. We should do Keep a whole going. episode on killing my childhood. I think um, we've said this before. We have, haven't we? Um, but even, I guess the idea that um, that movies aren't good anymore, or somebody was ripping on like songs today, like you don't even know what they're saying. I'm like, I, I, yes, yes, you do. You're just not listening. And it's the same thing with this. Mm-hmm. Like, move, I remember when movies used to be good. Folks, here's a damn good movie right here. You are alive in a time where artists are still making really great movies. And, you might not find the ad for it because, and, like I said, the, like well, like you pointed out, like there aren't ads for this everywhere. There weren't ads for uh, no. You gotta watch it on before. Apple Plus. Yeah, and I think with everything just being Netflix and streaming, which I, you know, <laughs> Netflix, we'll talk about that later. Uh, I, I think that there are good things out there. And if you need help looking for a, a movie that's like, I can't believe I was alive when Coda came out or when Dune came out, like, or the Batman, for goodness sake, like, there are still damn good movies being made, but you got to be open to, like, seeing them. And let yourself go to the experience. Yeah. If it's a worthwhile film... Who cares what people on the internet think about it? Just enjoy it. Let it move you. This is a this is a movie to go watch and just let it move you. Well, you know, and to to that people would say, well, I you know, I've got kids now and I you know, I just can't I can't watch anything with them around. Like, well, how do you how do you do it, Brendan? Like, how do you like watch movies like this and still give yourself over to the experience? You have to make time for it. That it's one of the reasons before this pandemic, and I got to get back to it. I went to the theater so often is because the film holds you hostage to the experience. You can't be distracted by it. But when you're at home and you want to experience a movie and lose yourself to it, you got to dim the lights. you got to put the phone away. Put it mm. in the other room. You've got to get rid of the distractions and lose yourself to the film. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right, man. <laughs> I wish I had seen Morbius at home so I could have done something else while watching that, it. There's nothing wrong with watching movies that way. I watch trash films like that all the time, and I enjoy it. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. But if you find yourself struggling to be moved by film, to find the good movies that no longer, quote, exist today, it's probably because you're not taking the time. It yeah. takes time. To experience anything good takes time. Yeah, and I think we're such a multitasking generation that it's it's easier to justify not doing it because you're also doing something else. So, well, okay, I'll, we'll leave off Coda and just say I love Coda, 10 out of 10. Well, it was really great. All that uh, good stuff. Yeah. Do you have well, anything? Something you just said. I just want to jump off of that because a friend told me like a week ago that so many people <clears throat> won't watch a movie because it's two hours and 20 minutes long. But they'll turn on a TV show that's 10 episodes because it's broken down into bite-sized hour chunks and then watch six of them. Yeah, that's very true. Just commit to the movie. Yeah, well, that's and that's kind of what I wanted to get at, too, was with um, one of the shows that I consumed while, while in my coma, as it were, is called The Gilded Age. It's on HBO. It's Julian Fellows, who I will watch anything oh it's on yeah that okay funny you should mention it the guy who told said that last thing was it was in the same breath saying you need to watch the gilded age so yeah okay did you just do you watch the whole thing or i have not no i haven't even started it i've been i've watched a lot of stuff but i haven't watched that tell me about it. yeah yeah so uh so jillian fellows uh is the writer and creator of my favorite television show of all time downton abbey nobody likes this show (laughs) nobody likes this show (laughs) gosh 
what did, what did Ron Howard say in season three? Please tell your friends about this show, <laughs> like of Arrested Development. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought of. If you like Downton, if you like insanely good writing and, and, and performances and, and all that good stuff, like you're going to get that from the Gilded Age. It was a, a show that was supposed to go on NBC, but NBC pulled the rug out from under them and it went to HBO, but somehow NBC still produced it. I don't want to talk about it. But the point is, it's like 1883. You're in New York City. You have this old money that has come up from within the country of these, these rich aristocrats who have their money and just everything. And, and they live these, uh, these crazy lifestyles. And then you have people with new money who are moving into New York City and they're starting to kind of take over different neighboring blocks and things like that. And so you have this kind of, and the way, same way Downton was upstairs, downstairs relationships, you have this double upstairs, um, Com- competition going on. You have like the old money versus the newer money that's kind of moved into the neighborhood. So you kind of have these neighboring forces going at each other mm-hmm. already because the old money people, they don't want to let the new money people into their groups. And one thing that people do when they're really rich is they do charity. Now, you might think it's out of the goodness of their heart. It kind of is, I guess. Although as you kind of get on the season, you're like, they don't really like that they're doing this, do they? But like old money people have all these different charities and they raise money for all these good causes. And the new money people are like, well, we'd like to help out too. And they're like, no, you can't come into our circle. You know, and they start (laughs) doing things like that where it's like, but the charities want your money, but it depends on where it comes from. And it's like you have, so you have these battling forces of like trying to be a part of this New York city, uh, influence affluence, I suppose. Uh, and then you have like most of the show is seen from the eyes of Marion, who actually I learned later is Meryl Streep's daughter, who is a great actress. And, uh, she is new to the city. Uh, and, uh, she goes to live with her aunts who come from very old money. And, um, you learn about the neighbors and all these different things through her lenses. And so if you like kind of period pieces and dramas and exceptional writing, like I I just, I I really enjoyed this show. And, (laughs) and my wife was so furious when it was over because she thought we had one more to go. She's like, Oh no, that's the worst feeling. Well, and and the thing is too, is it was my fault because I was a comatose. I was like, we have two episodes left. Let's just save them for Sunday because there's usually 10. Yeah. On, H- on a new HBO trial show. But I guess because the first one was like an hour and a half, they kind of skipped they did not. that whole dividing thing. Um, and so I was like, it's episode it's episode eight. I have a horrible headache. I don't want to stay up. I'm so tired. She's like, please, just one more. Just one more. Knowing full well that if we watched just one more, we'd have to watch the other one because the ninth one would end on such a cliffhanger. I was like, fine. But I'm going to fall asleep. But I didn't, thankfully. Um, and as soon as the episode ended, she's like, okay, one more. And I was like, that's it. It says there's no other their episodes and she, <laughs> and she was quite upset <laughs> well then we better just watch that one again i'm like i'm going to bed damn it i am so sick um but she's she's already ready to, to re-watch it and you know if my wife likes it i i can't recommend it enough but it's julian fellows and and the acting I'm is so superb it. in that show and um i think some there might be some there's like no real violence i guess there's a couple of moments of violence one moment of nudity otherwise like you could watch this show and be like, this doesn't really belong on HBO, does it? <laughs> like, I had that thought like 10 times where I'm like, this could be Showtime. This could be, this could, ugh, could even, yeah, NBC makes the most sense. It could be CBS, maybe. But it felt very much like just Masterpiece Theater. Aside from those Great. two moments. Like, yeah, there's one really, like, violent thing that happens. And then, like, there's a, a new trick for a little bit. And that's, you know, then you move on with your life. But great show. And then it's PBS. Uh, yeah. But, All right, so we've both consumed a lot, so you want to just ping-pong back and forth? So yeah, so that, that would be one that I watched. Uh, what about you? Okay. 
Uh, I was gonna. I'm gonna just go down my list in the order I wrote it down. So we've talked about this one before. I finally sat down and watched Empty Man. Empty Man. That oh horror yes. Movie that was recommended by Kyle. Uh, no, it was um, it's a critic on YouTube that you recommended to me. Oh, Chris Duckman. Yes. Name. Yes, Chris Duckman. Okay, Empty Man was delightful. Wow. It's a trip and a half, man. It's not. <laughs> the best horror movie I've ever seen, but it deserves better than it got. It's it's a markedly better than most horror movies out there. There is a sequence in it that takes place on a campground with some chanting, like almost folk horror stuff that is one of the creepiest things I've ever seen. Awesome. And I love, I, there's a moment where the character is looking at this, does what everybody wants a character in the situation to do. He says, Ah, uh, nah, this. It turns and runs. <laughs> <laughs> and it's great. So uh. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to keep it short because there's a couple of these I want to talk about more. But but Empty Man's great. I recommend it. It's on something that you can stream for free. Uh, Amazon. Amazon. Maybe HBO. I don't know. Because it's, it's like what two hours and fifty minutes? I think. Is it that long? I don't. I don't know. That is I, I cool heard things. it was long. It it. So the first twenty minutes is like a short film. Before the actual film. Like Eternal Sunshine. Kind of like Eternal Sunshine, except this one takes place with different characters in the Andes, uh, not the Andes, in the Himalayan Mountains. Gosh. So. I think I'm going to check this one out. You take it. Uh, so, uh, let's see. So, the Gilded Age of Dakota. Um, Morbius was absolute trash. Like, I just. Morbius? I kind of can't get over it. Like I said, again, like, there is a, there is a good movie in this thing somewhere because, again, cool character it would have partnered up really well with um felicia hardy with black cat and getting that part involved in the spider-man universe because there there is there's cool aspects to that character and and if you read the comics and if you've seen the 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 spider-man cartoon you know that there is a lot of potential there but then you see the way they ran with it and the weird crap they did with it and i i just ah Again, I laughed a lot. I, I left the theater three times for uh, popcorn refills and bathroom breaks, which I never do. But I had I never do reason. either. Yeah. Well, Icon Cinemas down here in Colorado Springs has free unlimited popcorn for the entirety of your movie. It's just a giant vending machine nice. of popcorn, free drinks, free slushies, free nacho cheese, free chili. Just it's it's an awesome movie theater. I love watching movies there. And so that free popcorn, I was like, I better get more free popcorn. <laughs> I better get more free popcorn. <laughs> Oh gosh, Matt Smith just had a disgusting morph while doing a dance in a hallway. <laughs> I'm gonna go get free popcorn and just kept mm. leaving and coming back. So um, I'm shocked Red Letter Media hasn't talked about it yet because it was so bad. And they tend to only pick the bad movies and rip on them. They, that's true. That's um, true. But I, I, you know, if if Riff Tracks does a Riff Tracks of this, I probably would see it again because this was like room quality bad. That's how I do it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I again, like I think, and I harped on this with you off camera here. Just the editing really wrecked a lot of this movie. I think it sure. opened with such promise. Like the first 15 minutes, I was like, all right, I don't know why everyone's ripping on this thing because this is like, we got a good ride here. We got some dramatic tension. We got a ticking time bomb here with the friend passing away soon. And, and I'm like, this could really be something. And then uh, things just things just get cut in weird. Like there's this scene where like Matt Smith is like, he, you know, at this point, Leto's already Morpheus, vampire and all that good stuff. And he's like, you gotta give me the serum, you gotta give me the formula. No, Lisa, come on. Like, and they start kind of fighting in a way. <laughs> and I was just like, the things that he was saying were based on moments that hadn't happened and sequences that didn't occur in the film. And I was like, 
but it was never implied off screen that he felt this way about things. And so I was like, wait a minute, like, did something get deleted here? Like there should be a sequence here. And then later on, like he's fighting with like his foster dad. He's like, you always like Michael better. Wow. You're tearing me apart. Like he starts saying these things. I'm like, wait a minute. There's no, there's no evidence of what you're saying. And I get that you could feel that way, but there wasn't even a sequence where we would have thought that you would have felt that way. And I was like, they, they, what, was there a, another cut scene here? Like, and then the movie is like maybe 88 minutes. Like it's really short. So there's no reason not to have the scenes. So there's no there. reason not to have the scenes. So I was like, unless they didn't film them. Well, and that's the thing is I'm just like, there's like 15 minutes. Uh, if you could have added 15 minutes of movie moments here, completely fixed the editing and deleted like, 65% of the VFX shots, I think you'd have something that's just like a level above crap. Sure. Um, they kept doing this thing where, you know, if you've seen the trailer, like he morphs like in and out of like this vampire yeah. kind of thing. And then Matt Smith does the same thing. And, and it's, that's when I started laughing a lot because them doing that actually like led to the detriment of the film. It would have been sure. better if they had just had fangs and they left it there. You know, mm. but they kept doing sure, like sure. the, uh, I'm trying to think of a really bad VFX example. Nothing comes. I to get mind. what you're saying. I mean, yeah, I've seen the trailers. So they should have like many, they, many, many times. Yeah. But like the way that he flew YouTube around was cool. Uh, the way that they did echolocation was really cool. Like there were good moments in there, but there was so much missing. And I was just like, damn, mm. that's nine bucks. I'll never get back. So, so I saw Morbius and, uh, and, uh, I would, I would wait till there's a good riff tracks commentary before recommending it. So what yeah. else did you do? I'm going to blow through three fast because my wife has a meeting here. Um, Ooh, okay. So I'm going to go through the three that I thought were, uh, okay, fine. <laughs> so I saw Sonic the Hedgehog 2. It was fun. Okay. It was Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Yay. It's not going to change the world just like the first one did. If you enjoyed the first one, you'll love the second one. Uh, I, we watched the very first Lone Wolf and Cub movie on Good Friday. Uh, sort of Vengeance. Lone Wolf and Cub. They're like... They are like the samurai equivalent of exploitation films in the 70s oh my gosh. from like yes. Tokyo. Okay. <laughs> there, it was a lot of fun. It was trashy entertainment. Trashy. <laughs> uh, in every ounce of the word, meaning of the word. Okay. And and we did Murder on the Nile, which was, eh, Orient Express is better. Yeah. It was fine. It was Had fine. a feeling. Uh, so there. There's well, three that I did. I'll just give you uh, two anime that I really enjoyed. I watched the first uh, 11 episodes of How I Got, um, How I Got Incarnated as a Slime, which nice. is uh, a really delightful, like, lit RPG where, like, this guy dies and he ends up in this fantasy world, but he ends up as, like, a slime, the lowest of the lowest creature, and he has to, like, level up sure. and gain experience. And Sounds great. We've talked funny. about this as a genre of book, right? Yeah, right, right. And so I've had to, I restarted this one because it's been so long since I watched it, um, and it's, I'm enjoying it all over again, um, and I'm about two episodes away from where I lost the thread last time. And then I saw, like... This, this anime that is brand new, it's called Ranking of Kings. And you guys, mm. I can't recommend this enough. Oh my gosh. And it ties in so well with Coda because it follows this little prince who is deaf and mute, who is supposed to take the throne after his father passes away, but they don't give it to him. They give it to his snarky brother because his brother can at least hear and talk. And you feel so bad for Prince Boji, who is the main character of this show, um, who is best friends with like a, a, an assassin who like kills people. Um, but the style of anime is like the first anime style, like 60s. Well, I guess that was like 50s. But think of like um, insanely early Studio Ghibli 
and then think a little bit earlier than that. Like the like what you think for like like maybe past Speed Racer just a little bit, but it's like that animation style. And that like style. Super but, but I've seen the trailer. It's, yeah. it's well animated. Oh it's my not gosh. poorly animated. Like much like Coda, I was crying every 20 minutes cuz this show is written so well. It's I've had so this recommended good. from multiple directions. It's it's going to happen. Yeah, I can't wait for you it to watch it, man. I'm 11 episodes we'll in. There's it. only 23, uh, but I'm just I'm loving every second of Breaking Up Kings and I can't recommend that enough. Um, and, I, and then just one other thing I started reading Radiant Black which is a comic book that was recommended to me and I'm really liking it it's I'm only okay. three issues in and it's really good excellent so okay I'm going to try to go through these fast sure uh, I could do a whole episode on literally everything else on my list uh, there was a free Satoshi Kon film festival digital what? film festival so I watched oh. all four of his films in about four days I so I got tickets to uh, digital tickets to um to Millennium Actress, Tokyo Godfather, and Paprika. I didn't get tickets to Perfect Blue, but I had a student, and one of my old students gave me a free copy like two days before the festival started. Wow. So I watched Perfect Blue, which was horrifying. And I loved it, <laughs> and we're gonna hold on to it and make our daughters watch it with their mother before oh, they go to college. No. <laughs> I think it's a good lesson on uh Stuff. We won't get into it. Perfect Blue's great. I think I think it's a rough movie. But Wait, I, yeah. is that when she's the singer? Yep, and trying to be an actor, and there's a lot of stuff. Basically, for, fo- for folks who don't know, Darren Aronofsky uses him as a huge influence for Requiem for a Dream. Straight up stole. Paprika yeah. is pretty much Interstellar. No, not Interstellar, sorry, Inception. Uh, Inception. Um, I don't think he makes any bones about it being Inception. Yeah, you know, we'll put in the show notes the Satoshi Kon... Um, Every from a painting video, just so people yep. know who he is. Oh, I, I gotta yep. watch that. I haven't seen that. I probably have, but I don't remember it. I'll go back and watch it. Anyway, so so Perfect Blue is great. Millennium Actress wept. Have you seen any of these? I have seen Perfect Blue, and I have seen the first uh, ten minutes of Paprika, so, and that's it. So you've seen the roughest one, and Paprika. Paprika is good, but to me, the weakest of the four. Okay, not, not the weakest, but it did the least for me. Sure, it's very good. Um, Millennium Actress. Wept like an idiot. Uh, Tokyo Godfathers is now and forever will be one of my favorite Christmas movies ever. Oh, and I'm watching it every Christmas. Okay, it's cool. It's spectacular. And so we then win. We haven't started, but we win bought Paranoia Agent so we can do his entire Orville. Oh, what a great. Oh. Yeah. So going to do that. Uh, Which real quick, based yeah. off a true story. I can't wait. I don't know anything about it. Yeah, I know you recommended it. You and John recommended it. In 2007, one, so. I recommended yeah. it to you. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, 2007. I didn't realize yeah. that. You, you mentioned it in season one of our podcast. Holy crap, so, is it good. Yeah. I didn't realize that that it was the same guy until halfway Let me know when you started. Yeah. You got it. Uh, I went and saw everything, everywhere, all at once in theaters. And it was one of the best film-going experiences I've ever had in my life. There's a handful of times I remember being in a theater as a transformative moment in a theater, and I had one of those here. Wow. It's incredible. It's exhausting. It's a lot of movie, and it goes fast. I laughed like a freaking dumbass for an hour and a half, and then I cried for the last hour. It's incredible. Um, But if you can see it in theaters, please, I don't want to spoil, but for the love of God, see it in theaters. There is a moment that is unlike anything I've ever seen, and it would not resonate the same way in your home. 
Okay. Now, if you see it in theaters, you're going to think I'm referring to one moment, but I'm going to tell you I'm not. I'm referring to a different moment. And basically, it to tie it back to Coda, there is a moment of silence, very much like when they flood the, si- the, the sound down during her yeah. concert performance. There's a moment like that, and it was... One of my favorite moments in film, not only for what's happening on screen, but because I think they are actively screwing with the audience and I want to talk about it, but I don't want to spoil it to see it. I have liked those guys since they turned down for what music videos? The Daniels. I need to see that. Uh, Swiss Army Man is hysterical. Awesome. And then lastly, I watched Severance on Apple Plus. I am I have two not, episodes in. I have not enjoyed a mystery box movie this show since Lost. It is biting satire of modern corporate America. And it is spectacularly directed, filmed, acted, edited. Uh, it's, it's, it's got a lot of meat to chew on at the same time. It's funny as hell. Awesome. Strong recommend. Yep. Fantastic. Oh, and then I got, I got the art book for Batman. That was my birthday present. So I'm reading that and it's great. Wait, oh, was oh, it? and I, I bought a, I bought a tablet so that I could get caught up on the infinite subscription for DC Comics, and that's been great too. There you go. Okay, now I'm done. I was gonna say for the bat, you said you got it as a birthday present, the Batman one. Yeah, yeah, the uh, the art book for the movie. When you but opened up the out. book, was there something in the way? There was mm. something in the way. Uh, the back of the book actually has a uh, a cipher to solve, so I'm looking forward to figuring that out. Oh, awesome, man! Very cool. So, this has been fun. This has been good, yeah. And uh, we'll be returning very shortly with our uh, Goodfellas conversation. Uh, yeah. We're going to get a couple more guests on this season. But uh, thank you all for tuning in, listening to us rant about Coda and me rave about this typical stuff that you've come to know and love that we rant and rave about. So we'll see you all in the next one. Bye. Bye. That's where it's at, yeah. Love, baby, give it up.